Joining me on the show today is Charles Zach, who is the Executive Director for the National Firearms Association. Charles, uh, thanks for joining us on the show today. Why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself and why you're so passionate, and then let's talk a bit about what the National Firearms Association is all about as well. Well, well, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, for all those people out there watching, uh, thank you and Happy New Year. Um, As Dean said, I'm uh, the executive director and uh, lobbyist for Canada's uh, largest lobby group, the Canada's National Firearms Association. Um, And like many things in life, you know, things come our way um, haphazardly. And sometimes, you know, it's just uh, an opportunity that just can't pass up. I was just a, you know, a moose hunter 15, 20 years ago. And then the, the, the government started uh, cajoling me with all kinds of unreasonable regulations. I got a little bit politically involved, became a field officer with the NFA. And now here I am. I was a former director. And now I'm, the lo- I'm basically the face of the lobby group. So um, I just want to say that Canada's National Firearms Association has been around since 1973 and has been at the forefront um, from coast to coast to coast, um, fighting for gun rights in Canada, not just Canada. We also have presence internationally as well. And um, just to make it, um, you know, uh, clear here that we are an organization that works within the law to change the law. So let's let's talk a bit about what the organization does. I know a lot of the things that you guys are about is safety and training and making sure people have the proper hand. We're going to talk about a bunch of different things throughout the show, but let's just talk a bit about uh, what the association does. So you obviously work with government to try and get good legislation passed, but you're also about trying to educate your members and make sure that they are safe and well-trained, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I just want to say that um, Canadian firearms owners, uh, they come from all backgrounds and they are committed to safety, responsibility, and good citizenship. Okay, so let me make that clear right away. Um, the the opposition tries to paint us otherwise, but that is not the case. That's uh, propaganda. Let me let me start by saying this: is that you know the safety side of, uh, side of things. I mean, of course, you know every tool that you have a chainsaw or a knife or anything like this has to be used wisely and safely. Guns are no different. You know, there's a way of handling them safely, and of course, we're committed to doing that. Well, we do offer uh, safety range courses. We do not. Um, engage in actual training of uh, new firearms owners. That is a, a, uh, a separate segment that's actually done through various trainers across the country. And uh, I know, Dean, you recently you've gone through that yourself and you now have uh, your pal as well I do, as, as I do. So just, just so you know that all, all people in Canada under law need to be licensed. And that means they're trained, they're vetted, um, and they're monitored 24 by 7 through this con- continuous eligibility screening process uh, by the RCMP. It's kind of a, a database it's called CPIC. So every time, um, every day, I get up and, you know, I'm churned through the, the, the database to make sure that I haven't done some kind of violent crime that would forfeit my uh, ability to have a license. Okay. So we already, we have some of the most robust uh, gun control laws in the world. We have red flag laws. Um, we're known as a strict uh, area in the world in terms of gun control. There's some that are some that are lax, um, but we are relatively strict. So we have a good regimen already. Unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of these so-called laws were um, instituted to provide safety, of course, for you know, for uh, gun owners and the public at large, but also to uh, to usher in measures and regulations that would enhance public safety. 
So, and um, so, Charles, we're going to talk a bit more about that. Let, sure. Let's just um, what did you sort of we got about a minute left Define what a you know, a gun owner looks like. You know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about who they are. But, you know, you talked about them. You're a hunter. Uh, they're fishermen, they're sports people, they're, they're are farmers, the list goes on. Just give us a little bit of a quick profile, about 60 seconds of what uh, an atypical, maybe there's no atypical gun owner. Well, actually there isn't, right? We have doctors, we have mechanics and everything in between. We have politicians and everything in between. So we are, always have been, um, the common people, you know, in, in the public there. So you know, we're, we're not uh, a stereotypical group like the liberals try to paint us as this and that. And the other thing, uh, you know, Trudeau recently came out and said we are racist and misogynistic and everything else. That is all baloney. OK, so we we are like everybody else in my neighborhood. I have many law abiding, responsible gun owners and policemen um, to uh, salesmen, and everything else. So the demographic is, you know, there's no real race thing going on here. We're of all religions. We cut across everything in the entire country. So we are Canadians. Perfect. You know what we'll do when we come back, let's talk a bit about some of the government overreach that has happened in recent months and recent years when we come back from break. Thank you. Welcome back to the Hill Update. I've got joining me on the show today, Charles Zach, who's executive director for the National Firearms Association. Charles, before we went to break, you're certain to talk about it, you know, a bit, a bit about government overreach, uh, painting the picture of what uh, gun owners are like. As a result of that, there's a number of things I, I want to talk about today. In the last segment, I want to talk about new, some new legislation called C5. But right now, previous to that, there was this thing called an OIC, which is an order in council. You want to talk a bit about what that was and why that's not very democratic in terms of how it was handled, maybe some of the guns that were affected. And uh, just uh, why don't you finish that thought that we talked about before break? Great. Well, the uh, the OIC, as they call it, the uh, you know the the actual name for it is I won't get into it because it's huge. Okay, amending the regulation of something something accessories cartridges. Anyway, if you look on the Gazette, it's uh, SOR twenty twenty ninety six. Please look that up. It's a mishmash of confusing uh, regulations that even lawyers can't even figure out yet. Anyway, let, let me, I'm digressing there. So the, the OIC was a response, a gun ban response to the infamous mass murder that happened in Nova Scotia in 2020 on April 19th. And, that, and the OIC came out May 1st. So the, the liberals had this list and this regulation at the ready and we're waiting for the inevitable, you know, uh, mass mass uh, casualty situation to happen. And they launched it on us. And they did this without parliamentary oversight or even discussion. And OIC, if everybody doesn't know what that is, is basically a decree, an edict, you know, by the, the government saying that this is the way it's going to be. There's no discussion and there was there's no consultation or anything like that. It was a a dictatorial, tyrannical way of putting out law. So any, any uh, just for those that don't know much about guns in particular, any, is there anything in, on there? I mean, it was a long list. I, I don't know if you have the number of guns they, they, uh, they, they wanted to ban, but you want to also maybe explain uh, to people like, you know, how this was the, uh, a huge overreach. Well, the, uh, we don't know what the intent of this OIC was. Okay, we know that it was it was in the Liberals' campaign 
in the previous year, and this is something they want to execute. So um, the actual reasoning for it has been now hidden. The uh, the courts have actually asked the Liberals produce the reasoning behind the OIC, and they've hidden it under S-39. It's a secrecy act. So we don't know, and they won't reveal it. We know why. I mean, this is a political attack on law-abiding uh, firearms owners, and they're trying to, uh, you know, um, you know, basically uh, divert your attention from the fact that they cannot or will not um, uh, redress the ongoing violent uh, crimes that are escalating on their watch. So just to talk a little bit about the OIC, um, originally they banned something like 1,500 makes and models. Uh, they called them military-grade assault-style weapons. Uh, let me be perfectly clear about this. There's no such a definition. There is no legal definition. There's nothing like that. This is a made-up progressive term. It's a political term meant to instill fear. And, and basically, the way they they came down with this list was basically how the uh, the gun looked. And of course, there were some other things like the uh, the barrel size it couldn't be over uh, 20 millimeter, and the uh, the energy that, that came out at the end of the barrel, which was 10,000 joules. Now, this um, I'm not going to go through the entire list because there's a huge list, but most notable of these. Uh, guns that were uh, banned was the AR-15 or AR-15 type of modern sporting carbine. That's what they're called, not military assault rifles. Okay, um, there was the Mini Ruger 14 that was used um, uh, at the Polytechnique situation. Okay, and there and there's the M14 that was used in uh, New Brunswick. Um, there's the VZ-58 that was what otherwise used uh, the Beretta Storm, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, bottom line is is that these these guns um, were were banned and arbitrarily picked out because they were politically incorrect. So I just want to give you an example of what one of these looks like. This is an AR-15 type of firearm. Okay. So yes, it may look scary to the average person out there, but it only shoots a two-two-three uh, round, which is a common hunting round. And this is one thing that liberals said that that kind of that kind of round cannot be used for hunting. It's been used for hunting for 50 years. So a lot of this stuff, it's all political. There's not, there's no reasoning behind this. This is a, we call this a gun grab. And this is just another step towards wholesale civil disarmament coming to Canada real soon. Listen, we're going to talk a bit more about uh, what you sort of alluded to. That's uh, there's being soft on crime when we come back from break. And maybe we can even, even talk about the, the fact that airsoft guns were we're banned as well. We, not many, some people may not know what that is. So when we come back from break, we're going to talk more about this ban. Welcome back to the Hill Update. I got uh, Charles Zach joining me, Executive Director from the National Firearms Association. Charles, just before we get we finish the se segment. Airsoft guns, not many people know that. They were part of this OIC. Just tell people what airsoft guns are and how, you know, they're basically paintball guns, as I believe, um, That how crazy that is. And then let's talk a bit about what's going on in crime. So I, I just want to correct you, uh, Dean. Uh, the OIC did not include um, the airsoft guns. Okay, okay. So that came out as a subsequent proposed legislation called C-21 that died before the election. Okay. So but uh, yeah, you know, that was that's on the chopping block. And, you know, these are toys, you know, mm -hmm. that fire plastic pellets that are non-lethal and they're used for nothing but games. So this once again, this has been deemed politically incorrect by, by the progressive regime. And they want to make sure that people don't 
you know, get into any kind of, you know, uh, situation like that. And they have decided on your behalf to ban those as well. <laughs> All right. So let's talk now about there's uh, a new legislation, C5, uh, that talks about a number of different things. You did talk about the fact that we've got this revolving door of justice in terms of we're not actually tough on crime or those using guns. And so easy targets are actually law-abiding citizens. This, this manifests itself, the long gun registry, you know, realizing that, you know, law-abiding citizens will register their guns, but criminals won't. Let's just talk a bit about C5 uh, and get, just get your thoughts on some of the things that they are prepared to walk away from in their uh, hastiness to make it look like they're doing something, even though they really aren't. Well, and, and this is an important point. So they're, you know, they're concentrating their civil or their their gun control, public safety measures on innocent, law-abiding people who are not committing the crimes, and yet now through C five, they brought in uh, measures that actually relaxes of the treatment of these known criminals who go in and out of the judicial system, who use guns, sell guns, illegal guns, and uh, use them in, to perpetrate crime. So the, you know, it, in contrast, you know, the, the RCMP is not tracking any of these people, um, doesn't know how many people are actually using these illegal, illegal firearms. And, you know, so they're, they, they keep going, um, you know, using the, the gun control uh, measures as a way of, uh, um, uh, you know, trying to abate things, and yet it's not happening. So, I, ha I have right here one of the things that uh, C five would eliminate a number of serious firearm offenses that would receive mandatory prison time, including robbery with a firearm, discharging a firearm with intent to harm, and weapons trafficking. Now, one of the things that we haven't even just uh, uh, talked about today. But the, the whole illegal amount of guns coming across the border where it seems to be, you know, there, maybe some focus should be pointed there because these are oftentimes the guns that are used in, in crime. Most of the time they are. And you know what? And there's not a lot of statistics on this. I know the Toronto uh, Police Board, they do have statistics. And they, they've, they've, uh, they've said that 80% of, the, of the, the violent crimes that are happening with, uh, with armed criminals in Toronto come from the United States, not from straw purchases or, you know, legal gun owners. It, what the Liberals are doing, they're conflating, you know, uh, law-abiding gun owners with real criminals. And that is an injustice. We will stand for that. Well, like I said, you know, if you're not prepared to look at mandatory minimums for, you know, gun offenses that involve intent to harm and some of these other things, then it seems to me like you're missing the target because some of these people, the same people through the revolving door of justice that are the ones that are reoffending. I, I'm not a big proponent of uh, mandatory sentencing because you, you want to put that in the hands of the judges. But you've alluded to the, the problem. Some of these judges are very lax, you know, and they keep giving these people chances over and over again. You know, they come in, the police are out there risking their lives, taking them on the streets, taking their guns away. They come before the courts. They're released on their own recognizance. They're not even tracked. Of course, they go back to their their career, which is crime. And they get another gun and the cycle continues. And we wonder why. Uh, crime is escalating on the Liberals' watch. we got about 30 seconds left. Any final thoughts, Charles? We are going into a pretty um, uh, dire year for gun owners. There's lots of talk of a handgun ban coming. Of course, the, there's the OIC uh, amnesty period coming to an end May 1st. I don't think that's going to uh, stand. Uh, Trudeau, in his usual fashion, has made all kinds of promises um, and he can't execute and he's not ready to do that at that point. And on top of that, we have um, lawsuits available. You know, the NFA is uh, is backing the, uh, you know, one of the lawsuits that's going in there. Um, and 
that's going to be redressed or at least heard in September. So um, if you can donate to the NFA, uh, we're fighting on your behalf so that we can fight this in court. Charles, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. And once again, great to see the safety and concerns uh, is paramount for them at the NFA. Thank you very much.